This is the Why We Travel podcast, the podcast dedicated to those who want to explore the world on their terms. Each week, you'll hear from amazing travelers and experts sharing their best travel stories from the road. Listen to their unique travel experiences and get insider tips about their favorite destinations. Whether you're an experienced world nomad or just getting started, this podcast will inspire you, improve your travel skills, change the way you travel, and motivate you to get out and see the world. Discover the art of independent travel and meet fellow travelers in our online community. Now, let's get into it with your host and world traveler, Claus Louder. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Why We Travel podcast. Today we want to talk about something that is a dream for a lot of people and that it's full-time travel. So you're being a full-time traveler and exploring the world. A lot of people try to do this. It's not the easiest thing to do, but it's absolutely possible. And today I have Heather Markell with me. She is a full-time traveler and she's also a business coach showing people on how they can become full-time travelers. So that will be an interesting chat. Heather quit her 25-year corporate career in 2017, expecting to take a three to six months career break to travel the world. Instead, she found her calling and almost six years later, she has been to 33 countries on six continents, including being marooned in New Zealand two years during the pandemic. That happened to the best two of us. She's now a best-selling author and TED speaker. Heather helps her clients, as I said, transition to a full-time travel lifestyle by teaching them mindset, money, mastery skills. They need to ditch their desk and discover their destiny through full-time travel. So let's dive right into it. Hi, Heather. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Heather, full-time travel, as I said, a dream for a lot of people. It is achievable. I myself am a slow mat. I'm traveling for many, many years now around the world. It's not the easiest lifestyle, to be honest. It has advantages and disadvantages, and that's what we want to talk about today. You ditched your corporate career with the plan to do a gap year or something, and it didn't work out. Tell me a little bit about this. It took me years to have the courage to actually just like quit. I was hoping to be laid off, actually, like for someone else to just make it happen. And I finally just decided there has to be more to life than rotting at my desk, waiting for retirement to enjoy myself. And when I quit, I honestly thought it was a career break and I was just going to travel the world for a few months, which is something I love doing. And then I was going to come back to real life and get another job. And then when I came back after the six month work, I was like, I'm having so much fun and it's a lot less expensive than I thought. So what, what coming back to real life? And that's when I just looked at the price of that I was paying monthly for an apartment in New York. And now I could equate it in travel language. And I was like, wow, that could get me like eons more travels. So I gave up my apartment, put things in storage. Actually, at the time I thought I was going for one more year, but I'm about to start year six. Yeah. I can completely relate to that. Now, maybe let's start with mindset. You said there was a shift in your mindset and looking at the numbers and then traveling can be cheaper, or most likely it is cheaper than staying at the place. Yeah. Can you have a bit of an idea. What was the process in the change of your mind there? What happened? Well, in order to have a full-time travel lifestyle, it's very different than vacation. I know a lot of people think they can't afford to travel full-time because all you have is a reference point is vacation where you're spending buckets of money. But that's because it's a short-term experience. You're racing to see all the expensive sites, eat at the best restaurants, get the best souvenirs. But when you're just traveling, you don't need half of that stuff. Like you said, the slow mat experience. You just get to see everything, take your time. And suddenly I was very aware that I'm booking places to stay or sometimes staying with friends when I'm lucky. And I get to choose the price point. 
And I know it sounds silly, but when I was in corporate, of course, I went for, you know, 250 bucks a night was no sweat. But now wanting to travel longer, I don't know, it just happened that I was like, well, if I spend $250 a night, that's going to limit how long I can travel. But if I spent $50 a night or even $20 a night, how? And then I started looking at things and I was like, oh, I could buy this really nice dress for $75, but $75, now I know it could get me three nights accommodation and a week's food. And it just built like that and just became practice. Okay. Now, when it comes to change in lifestyle, obviously you possibly got rid of a lot of things that you have accumulated during your life. Rid of some stuff, not enough, because like I said, I thought I was going for a year and coming back. So in fact, I just recently went and cleared a whole bunch of stuff out of my storage unit so that I could start, so I don't need it. So I want to downsize and pay less money for it. Let's talk about money. You said living in New York City, obviously one of the more expensive city on the planet. But going to other places, how do you do your monthly budget to be a full-time traveler? And on what do you spend your money on? What I spend my money on, the highest costs typically are accommodation and food. So I try to lower those costs. So that could mean house-sitting is great. It's a free way to stay, look after someone's pets. I love the companionship. However, using something like trusted house-sitters, which is great, isn't so great. Like I'm going to Malaysia. There's nothing. They don't have anything in Malaysia. When I was marooned in New Zealand for two years, I found Kiwi house sitters and they had a lot more listings than trusted house sitters. But the thing about Malaysia is that it's already lower cost of living. So one way to travel is to find places that don't cost a lot as a strategy. And food, I try where I can and where it's plausible to do $5 a meal even in Malaysia might be even less, right? So now I operate with a per diem budget. So I basically track every expense. You talked about inconveniences of travel, built high travel. I calculate everything. And then if I have extended over my daily budget, then the next day or week somewhere in there, I'm going to have to spend less to make it to make that match. Okay. Now being on the road, You learn a lot of skills that other people potentially, specifically if you're a tourist and you're a holiday maker, then you buy a package and everything is being taken care yes. of. As a full-time traveler on your own, you need to figure out a lot of things on your own. And I think you also become a bit more streetwise than a normal holiday maker on what's happening. So what are for you the skills that you value the most or where you think you have learned the most about? Well, one big thing is intuition. This lifestyle just goes hand in hand with really honing in on what intuition means for you, whether it's a feeling in your body, a voice in your head, whatever that is, and learning to trust it, period. It's the only one or two times I've had a almost bad experience was because my intuition was speaking and I doubted it. So That's number one. Number two, as a female solo traveler, do not go out and drink by myself unless I'm somewhere where I just feel absolutely safe. Maybe I've lived there for a while, but otherwise, if I meet another woman who's awesome, maybe we'll go out and have one drink, but I try to limit drinking. And also if I'm out at night, I'm not going to walk home alone. I'll probably take a taxi to room at night or just not be out at night by myself. And then, like I said, just trusting. I always ask wherever I'm staying, is it safe for me to walk home at night alone anyway? Also, are there any areas near here that I should be aware of like that are dangerous? And whatever they tell me, I know you're in, like when I was living in Cape Town, I said, 
I want to walk to the green market square and I wanted to walk to the waterfront. And I said, could you tell me the directions to get to the waterfront? And they said, no, ma'am, you take a taxi. And I'm like, no, but it looks like it's really close. No, ma'am, you call an Uber. And I was just shocked until one day I walked like three blocks away and I immediately noticed like people were looking at me, like sussing me up. And I'm like, oh, got it. <laughs> so really listen to what people tell you. Okay. Now that's a very good tip. I can agree to that one. Now with traveling, sometimes it can be quite lonely, specifically if you arrive in a new place. How do you deal with that? It's funny because... Um, Going into year six of solo travel, I am more and more aware, like, oh, I'd really like to have a partner to travel with. But what I do typically is I try to reach out on different in-country Facebook groups, maybe make a relationship with someone. I used to be a big Apple greeter in New York City, and they have a greeter network worldwide. Argentina and Buenos Aires is a place where I actually reached out and got a greeter who took me around for the day. So I felt like I've met someone. I actually have my own Facebook group with over 5,000 people. So now I can actually in the group say, I'm going to be here. And if anyone's around, let's meet up. And then when I get to a place, I find day tours are a great way. Even free walking tours are my favorite resource to just go and learn about the city. And I usually make a friend. There's usually someone that's solo. There's still like Someone cool in the group usually. So by the end of it, I have someone to go have lunch with or grab a meal with or explore something with the next day. And then I'm very outgoing. So I guess somehow I end up just having conversations with people that I meet here and there that usually ends up that it might only be a moment. But even if I have a meal with someone or get together for an afternoon, it feels like I'm less alone. And I remember that the only time I'm really alone is in my whatever room I'm staying in. That's the only place. So when I'm out of the room, I'm aware that there's people everywhere and I don't have to be by myself every moment. Makes total sense. And with the free walking tours, you actually gave a golden nugget away. That's definitely a secret tip. Works very, very well. Obviously, on your travels, you have met a lot of other travelers, digital nomads or whatever they call them, expats and so on and so forth. Main question you probably will get is how do you finance this whole thing? That is the biggest question. <laughs> My work with people is all around this because I remember being so disempowered for so long thinking I couldn't afford this. And for me, what it comes down to is making the right budget. And I do believe anyone can travel on any budget. Clearly, If you have a smaller budget, your lifestyle's not going to be as nice as someone with a larger budget, but you can do it. When I was in Argentina, I actually met someone and we traveled together for a month and we stayed in not very great youth hostels. We did all our own cooking. I paid that month 300 US dollars and that was split. So it would have been 600 US dollars total for both of us. So staying somewhere inexpensive, staying in a youth hostel, that's how cheap you can travel. If you need to go to the Ritz-Carlton and travel first class and do all that, then realistically, you need $10,000 or more per month. So it really comes down to how do you afford it is you figure out the lifestyle that you want when you travel. It's playing the numbers. If this is my budget, where can I travel in this style? Or there's nowhere because I want to live in the Ritz-Carlton, but I see I don't have $10,000 a month. That isn't going to happen. Would I be willing to bring my lifestyle down a notch and then playing with how can I make the lifestyle work in a slightly different way? So I do think it's really important to do your research. And now, of course, that 
after the pandemic, people are trying to make their money back. So I think costs are coming up a bit. I have a lot of airline miles. I also have hotel points. So another strategy is stay for free. (laughs) Use your credit card, get more points that land more travel. So like I'm coming back. I just booked a trip. I'm going to Asia now. When I come back from Korea, I booked a ticket with miles and I got, and I paid 15 bucks. Intra-Asia, I can travel for about $7 with my miles. It's a great question. And the answer is we could this we could talk another hour about the different strategies because there's just so many. In the beginning, I said a lot of people are sort of envy this lifestyle, but there's other people who totally do not get it. They say, why do you do this? Tell me a little bit about the advantages of traveling full time. First year of travel, I used to get a lot of comments from people like, oh, it must be nice that some people can do this. And I was like, well, you could. And once I explain, like, yeah, I gave up my home. I gave up a lot of stuff. Then it becomes, oh, oh gosh, I couldn't do that. There's so many advantages. I just taught me so much about me. I didn't expect that. I thought I was just going to go see the world and be like, wow, these are cool places. But no, you will inevitably have something go wrong. Find somewhere where nobody speaks your language and have to figure out what to do. Have to find where's the bus station? How do I get there? Oh my God, in Thailand, I had to find some, not just the bus station where nobody speaks English, but which bus takes me to this tiny town. When you do it, it's like, oh my God, I did this. I didn't realize that I'm pretty cool. (laughs) I'm okay. You learn how resourceful you are and you tap into your creativity because you just have to think differently. And in the process, I have mostly met the most wonderful people around the world and found that When I'm really stuck, someone shows up and helps somehow. I think it's karmic. Like I try myself to help people that I see that are stuck or whenever someone's in a place I know with a map where I'm just like, do you need help? Like, let me help you get somewhere. And nowadays, of course, it might not be a paper map. It might be they're staring at their phone. But And the other advantage is, like you pointed to before, the slow travel. I don't have to be on a schedule to see everything in a finite amount of time. I can just be and exist. And if I love a place, I can come back every day and see it again. Or I can just sit in a cafe and actually not worry about making a tour and running everywhere. It's crazy just getting a perspective of what real life really is in other places. And there's so much bad news So to be able to go to a place and see like there's governments of a place and then there's people of a place. I didn't realize they're so different. At the end of the line, we're all just people existing on the planet and we may exist slightly different and you may do things in a much more interesting and smart way than I do. So great. Thanks for passing on that knowledge so I can take it forward. I couldn't have said it better. Now you're helping people getting on the path to become a full-time traveler. How do you do this? What's the process? What I do is I try to meet clients where they're at. I have a three-month coaching program, which is the full program, where I address those components of mindset, money, and mastery. So It's about helping people address the anxieties, like what'll happen to me? What about my retirement? Can I really do this? Then we move into money, right? Because like you just said, the biggest question is how on earth do I afford this? So I go with my client and I'm like, what do you want? What do you got? Let's put this together and make a realistic travel budget. And then the last piece is the mastery, which is the logistics, all the stuff you got to do before you leave. Like what about your home, storage, vaccinations, taxes, all that stuff. 
So I really just help them ultimately fully prepare for the journey. I have coaching and I also offer programs if they want to self-study. So I just meet them where they're at and give them the information that they need at that moment. Sounds great. Where can people find out more about you? My website is fulltimetravelcoach.com. And if you go to from desk to destiny.com, you can set up a free call with me and we can chat about where you're at and what you need. <laughs> Sounds great. Heather, I think, as you said, we couldn't talk for hours about it. Unfortunately, we don't have the time about it. Thank you for giving a brief overview of the advantages of being a full-time traveler. I'm biased. I'm a full-time traveler myself. But whoever wants to look into that should get in contact with you and see if there is a path for them to start the journey as well. Thanks Thanks so much. for having me. And I know I love talking to other travelers. You get it, like you said. And it's such a wonderful journey. So thanks for having me. Thank you. Hey, Klaus here. Before you leave, I have a question. Are you a traveler? Do you have a favorite travel destination or favorite travel experiences that you would like to share with the world? Then become a guest on the Why We Travel podcast. Simply message me and I will get you all the details for becoming interview guest. And then we take it from there. That's it for now. I see you in the next episode and have a great day.